Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Now, we've been looking at the whole issue of the judgment of God's imperfect people. And here's the reality, whether you realize it or not, that even though you are saved, that you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and I hope that you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, the reality is is that salvation does not remove judgment from your life. Now, it removes the fact that you will go to hell, But it doesn't remove the fact that you are still going to have to answer for how you live your life. And so we have looked over the last few weeks at several different issues to help us to understand that. First of all, we looked at the whole issue of how we have some incorrect thinking going on in our mind that because I'm saved, I can do whatever I want to do because there's forgiveness in Jesus. And we looked at the Apostle Paul saying that that's not possible. That grace and forgiveness does not give you a license to do just whatever you want and don't worry about it later on. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. It's okay. And we looked at that whole issue of how we can be governed by that incorrect thinking. Then we spent two weeks looking at the issue of how God judges us presently about the fact that God judges us presently for the sin in our lives. He, like a loving father who has a child who is not doing right, will take that child, and we talked about being taken to the woodshed by God, about God disciplining us to correct those issues in our life now. We also saw that God also disciplines us by you and I judging ourselves and dealing with the issues. Now, today, and next week, We're going to look at the future judgment. Because the reality is is that every one of you here, including myself, is one day going to stand before the Lord Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul, in a passage that we'll look at next week, describes it as the day of terror. You and I are one day going to stand before the omnipotent, holy God. And we'll have to give an account of our life. We'll have to answer for the things in our life. Now, you and I don't need to be fearful. In fact, we'll see that in our passage today. We don't need to be fearful of hell, but you still need to account for how you lived your life now with the salvation that he gave you. So let's look at this whole issue of standing before Jesus. So I want you to notice with me verses 10 through 17. Paul is talking with the Corinthians in this passage concerning the whole issue of of their lives, especially their church life. But we're going to look at it more focused on our individual lives from this passage. So I want you to notice with me what he says. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can be laid than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. 
And if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as though through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So let's look at several things here. First of all, I want to notice the first three verses there, verses 10 through 12. Give us a view of your life. If we're going to understand the reality of you and I standing before Jesus and having to give an account of our life, you need to understand a biblical view of your life from this passage. You need to understand what is happening now in this life as you anticipate the future when you stand before Jesus. And so there are several things I want you to see here. The first one is this, we see in verse 10, is that someone invested in your life. Someone invested in your life. Someone invested some time in your life. I want you to think about that. Every one of you, I asked this question earlier at Sunday school, and I asked people to raise their hands if they came to faith through a friend, a relative, someone they worked with, or a neighbor. And most of the people there said, yes, that's how I came to faith. That person invested some time in you so that you can know the gospel and come to Christ. The Sunday school teacher that maybe you had who taught you some foundational things, or a pastor, or maybe somebody on the radio, or a book that was written, those people invested time in your life. See, the Apostle Paul here in verse 10 says to the Corinthians that he, as a wise master builder, laid a foundation in their lives. He invested time in the Corinthians' lives. When you look at your life, you're not just here because of you. You're here because somebody took time for you to introduce you to Jesus. You know, when I look at my life as a pastor, when I look at my life, I look back at many different men. And there's a large number of men. Some that I had an intimate relationship with. Some that it was a professional relationship, whether they were professors in my life or whatever. Some are men I have never met in my life or will never meet in my life except in the kingdom because I've read their books. And they invested in my life. And with that investment, there is a responsibility with the investment that people have taken in our lives, is there not? You and I have a responsibility because of the investment that someone has laid in your life. And you need to understand that. That is a perspective of your life. Someone has invested time in you. Someone has cared for you. Someone cared enough for you that they shared Jesus with you. And that was an investment. Boy, aren't you glad for that investment? Aren't you glad for the mom or dad who shared Jesus with you or the grandma who prayed for you or the Sunday school teacher who took time? We forget them, don't we? But when you think back of the impact that they had on your life, wow, someone invested in your life. The next thing I want you to see is is we see from the same verse, notice what he says, verse 10, but let each one take heed to how he builds on it. You and I are going to build on that investment especially that initial investment of salvation in our life. And so here's what he's saying. You must choose how to live it. You must choose how to live it. You have a choice in how you're going to live your life, especially with that investment that someone has made in your life. You have a choice to make as far as God in your life. The choice is, I can't make it for you. I'd like to make it for you, but I can't. You're the one who has to make that decision. 
He has laid a foundation in your life through the people that have invested in your life. They've shared Jesus with you. You have the influence, the spiritual influences around you, whether it's on the radio, whether it's church, whether it's a book you read or whatever. People are investing in your life. Now you've got to make a decision, what am I going to do with that life? How am I going to live that life? What place does God have in my life? Because one day when you stand before Jesus, you've got to give an account for your choice. Now, let me just go ahead and tell you, it ain't going to cut water to say, well, it's because of my dad. First of all, you won't even say that because you'll realize it was you. See, you have a choice to make how you live. You choose how to live it. And so then in verse 11, he's going to get right back to what that foundation is in your life. You notice what he says. There is, for no other foundation can anyone lay other than what is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Look, you need to understand the foundation. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ here today, the foundation for your life is Jesus. The foundation for your life. That's the next point. The foundation for your life is Jesus. That's the foundation for your life. It's not your family background. It's not your job. Guys, as we get focused on our job and our whole identity is wrapped up in what we do, and I understand that because I'm a guy, It's not your family, ladies, because our focus can be on relationship, ladies, and our focus is on our family. That's not the foundation for your life. The foundation for your life is Jesus Christ and His sacrifice for you. If you're a Christian here today, if you're saved, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you need to have that perspective on life that the foundation for your life is not your dreams, It's not your education. It's not your background. It's not where you live. It's not all this other stuff. It's Jesus alone. That's the foundation for your life. Jesus. Jesus. So then in verse 12, he tells us, and this is the final thing I want you to give the perspective of your life. Notice what he says. And if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. What's he saying here? You choose what to build on the foundation. You choose what to build on the foundation. You choose. See, notice the point? You choose what to build on that foundation. He's given you your life. He's given you forgiveness of your sins. He's given you acceptance with the Almighty. All of it unconditional. All of it based upon what Jesus has done for you. And He's given you that in your life. Now, He says now, You choose how you live it. You choose how you're going to build on that foundation. And so notice, he gives you several elements here that we can... He can say you can build on it with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, straw. You're the one who has to make the decisions what you're going to build into your life. You are the one who chooses to build on that foundation. It's not my choice. I can't make you do spiritual things. Your parents can't make you do spiritual things. Other people in your life can't make you do spiritual things. You're the one who has to make the decision that I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to do what He wants in my life. Only Jesus can do that. But you're the one who can decide to do what Jesus tells you to do. That's the choice. You choose what to build on the foundation. Now you're saying, George, why are you? Ta- I thought we were going to talk about the judgment. Well, you need to understand that you got to have an understanding of this before we ever get to the judgment. You need to have an understanding that one day when you appear before Jesus, these four things that I've just shared with you are very important when you consider that one day you're going to stand before God 
Because you've got to give an account. What do you mean I've got to give an account? Somebody invested in you. Choice was given to you as to how you would live that life and what you did with that investment. The foundation for your life is Jesus Christ. You're the one who chooses what to do with that life. You're the one who chooses what to do with that life. We say, my circumstances. Circumstances have nothing to do with it. You're still the one who chooses whether or not you're going to follow Jesus to allow him to have control of your life, whether or not he'll be Lord. You're the one who makes that decision. So then we get to the judgment then. What Paul describes in other passages as the terror of the Lord. Why is it so important what I shared with you about the Bible's view of your life? Because when we get to the judgment, it all makes sense. So I want you to notice with me verses 13 through 15. Each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. First thing I want you to notice is the nature of your life will be revealed. The nature of your life will be revealed. You know, right now, can I be honest with you? We don't know anyone's motives. We don't, you can't, no one here can say that I know what you're thinking. Now, spouses, husbands, wives, you may think after many years that you know what they're thinking, but the reality is, is you don't. You maybe know how they may respond after time of observing them and watching them, but nobody here is a mind reader. Does everybody understand? Nobody here is a mind reader. Nobody here knows motives. Because we can be quickly deceived by actions and we may think we know the motives, but we really don't know the motives. We don't. And so even the most spiritual person here may look like they have their act together, but the reality is that they don't have their act together. You can't judge things right now. There's no way to tell. No way to tell. But the Bible tells us very clearly that at the judgment, when we stand before Jesus... The nature of your life will be revealed. That day refers to the day when which we stand before Christ. Everything will be revealed. Everything. Think about that. Now, you know, maybe have you seen some kind of hokey Christian thing where they try to maybe put your life up on the, uh, like a video screen of your life? I don't, I don't, whatever. I don't know what that means. But everything about my life, all my motives, everything that I did will be revealed. Isn't that the, in fact, this is not just in this passage. Throughout the New Testament, it talks about that what is done in darkness will be brought to light. Every hidden motive, every hidden value will stand before God. Everything will be revealed. Everything. You know, and I think a lot of us are going to be shocked when the reality of what we did is revealed for what it really is. What we thought was works of gold, precious stone, silver. And the reality is that Jesus tells us it was nothing more than wood, hay, or straw. Because our motives were wrong. Because our values were wrong. You see the point. We One day, everything is going to be revealed before God. How? Because he judges it by fire. Fire is always in the scripture a picture of judgment. That is, God will look at our things and he will see. They will be judged. You know, you and I can snow people. You and I can blow smoke. We can 
we can, we can, if we, if we're a good enough talker, we can talk ourselves out of anything. And we can confuse people with our stuff and we can tell, you know, we can make people think that we're doing it for whatever, but I'll be honest with you, we are not going to be able to blow smoke at Jesus. We are not going to be able to snow him. Oh, you can maybe snow somebody else in your life, but you can't snow the Almighty God who knows everything from your thoughts to your heart. And one day when we stand before him, all will be revealed. Which brings me to my next point. Your reward will be based on your life. Your reward will be based on your life. Because here, I want you to understand something here. When we talk about the judgment of God's imperfect people, when we talk about the judgment of Christians, we're not talking about a judgment that leads to hell. You've been saved from hell. But what we're talking about is a judgment concerning what reward you will have later on in heaven. Why do you think the Scriptures over and over say things like this? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Why do you think the Scripture talks about laying treasures up in heaven? Because that's your reward later on. And he says that in that judgment, when God judges everything, those who have built into their life that which endures Gold, silver, precious stones, and those are just a picture of the quality of stuff that you build into your life. He said, they will have their reward. But those who have built in their life worthless things, selfish things, wood, hay, straw. What happens when you put wood, hay, and straw through the fire? It's gone, isn't it? Burns up. And notice what he says. Look at what he says here. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. They won't have anything. Can I tell you the greatest deception that's going on in the church today? The greatest deception that's happening in North American Christianity. The greatest deception is is that, oh, don't worry about anything. You're saved. You'll have a mansion later on. You'll be okay. There's a half-truth in that. You mean a half-truth, George? Yes, you'll be saved from the fires of hell. But the lie is that you won't be okay. Because you won't have any reward. And that may not mean anything to you here now. But one day when you stand before God, and you don't have anything except your life, it will mean something. It will mean something, which is what I want you to see Well, first of all, you say, what do you mean judge? How are we going to be judged in our life? Let me give you several things. The Bible talks throughout the New Testament about several different areas that will be judged. Can we go ahead and give them to you if you want to mark them down in your margin there? Number one, your works. You'll be judged upon your works, how you live your life, upon the works that you present, the things that you do, whether they'll be selfish or selfless. You'll be judged upon your works. You'll be judged upon the use of your talents. Those are the abilities and gifts that God has given you. What you did with them. You'll be judged upon your talents. Next, you'll be judged upon the opportunities that God has given you. Whether you responded to the opportunities that God has given you and what He has told you to do. And whether or not you did them or not. Or whether or not you took those opportunities. You'll be judged upon the opportunities in your life. Here's one that's really important. You'll be judged upon your actions towards others. 
you'll be judged upon your actions towards others, especially other believers. You'll be judged upon your actions towards other believers and towards others. Finally, you'll be judged upon your words. Listen to the words of Jesus, Matthew records, but I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. And for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. Wow! That one, you know, if you eliminated the works and talents and you'll beat opportunities and my actions towards others, if all my judgment was based upon was my talking and my idle talking, I don't know about you, but I've said some pretty stupid, foolish things in my life that I'm thankfully are gone. But what does the Bible just tell me? They're not gone. I have to answer for them. See, those are the things that we will be rewarded on. These are not things that are going to send you to hell. These are things that are going to determine the reward that you have later on when you go to be with Jesus. But the one thing I want you to notice is, is that some will lose everything except their salvation. Some will lose everything except their salvation. Notice what he says there. He says, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet is through the fire. They'll lose everything, except they have their salvation. Wow. I think we're going to be shocked one day. Here we are. Well, tell me about this. Tell me about that. What? What? I thought that was taken care of. Oh yeah, there's forgiveness, but you still have to give an account. Wow. Verse 16 and 17 gives us the warning then. Two things. Verse 16 says this, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? What's he saying here? Recognize that God dwells in you. Listen, when you became a Christian, the God of the universe entered into your life. So He's there with you. He's there with you. All the time. Let that be a warning to you as you live your life. In fact, in this very same epistle, in the Corinthian epistle, Paul warns them about sexual sin and says that when they engage with a harlot, that is a prostitute, that they are joining Jesus with that prostitute by their very actions. Repulsive, isn't it, to think about that? But he's making a point here. The point he's making is is that you are the temple of the living God. The Holy Spirit indwells you. And when you engage in the activities that you engage in, which one day you have to give an account for, God's right there with you. What does that mean for how I live my life? Because I have to stand before Him and give an account. So the point he says there is recognize that God dwells in you. The second thing I want you to notice is verse 17. Notice a very harsh statement. He says, if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. The next thing I want you to see is this. Sin results in punishment. Listen, he's not talking here when he talks about destroying you. He's talking about the issue of judgment. He's not talking about you being destroyed by being sent to hell. That is not the point that he's making here. The point he wants you to understand is is that when you and I engage in that which is not right in our lives, 
It will be dealt with. Because it has to be. Sin is a serious thing to God. How serious is it? Serious enough that He would create hell to send unrepentant sinners to. And serious enough that He would send His Son to endure a cruel death on a cross so that you and I would have the forgiveness of it. That's how serious sin is. It's as serious as the fires of hell and the death on a cross. And He's serious about it. And so do you think He's just going to let you do whatever? You, His child? No, He cares for you too much to allow that to happen. So He brings the judgment. So that you will have what you need in your life. You know, can I be honest with you? You can sit here and I'll be honest with you. You can listen to me and say, oh yeah, sure George, really. But remember, it's a warning. And you are accountable for what you know. And one day, every one of us is going to stand before God. And you just can't say to him, well George didn't tell me that one. This isn't supposed to be happening, Lord. Then you don't know your New Testament. Because every one of us will stand before him. It's not an issue of hell. We're safe from hell. But it's an issue of how we live the life that he gave us. Three things I want you to think about. Number one, how are you living your life? How are you living your life? Somebody invested in it. Somebody gave you the gospel. Somebody invested their time in prayer and sweat and tears for you that you would ultimately come to know Jesus Christ. How are you living your life? The foundation is Jesus. He he gave His life for you so that you could have life. How are you living it? Can I be specific? Are you just doing your own thing? I'm forgiven. I'm okay. Remember now, that's incorrect thinking. How are you living your life? What place does God have in your life? Is He just fire insurance? Well, I've got that taken care of. I'm okay now. I can do whatever I want to do. Really? You know, when you have that kind of thought, can I be honest with you, that cheapens the death of Christ. And that's why the writer of Hebrews says things like this, that when you and I sin, we crucify him afresh. Can I be honest with you, the chief sin, and I know this because I'm, I'm, I'm there. The chief sin in, in our lives today is we don't really take our sin serious enough. We don't see it the way God sees it. We're pretty flippant about the stuff in our lives. So how are you living your life? Second thing is this. Are you prepared to give an account for it? Are you prepared for the fact that one day you're going to stand before a judge and no amount of snow jobs, sweet talking, whatever, is going to get you out of accounting for your life now? Because it'll just get right to the heart of the matter in your life. So... Are you prepared to give an account for your life? Final thing I want you to see then is this. Live for the future, not for the temporal. See, we're living for now. We're not even thinking about the future, but I'm telling you, when you think about the fact that one day you and I have to stand before God and give an account for our lives, it makes you realize that I better quit living for now and start living for the future. Because when I live for the future, it's going to dictate how I live my life now. It's going to change the way I live my life now. So quit living for now. Live for the future. What are we living for? Oh, I'm forgiven. Quit living for the temporal. 
Live for the future. Live for the future. Because one day we'll stand before Him. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.